Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, the CJ McCollum Show, where every week New Orleans Pelicans star CJ McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA playoffs with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's CJ McCollum. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us. Check him out at Channel 6. Check him out doing Formula 1 for ESPN and all kinds of other wonderful places. Uh, Spencer Hall, what's going on, man? Oh, yeah, just, you know, back from Miami. From my <laughs> continental tour. Yo, I keep meaning to go like try to check out one of these Formula One things, especially Miami, because it just feels like the biggest massive ridiculous one could imagine. Mm, yeah, yeah, but they just did, they're doing a race in Vegas, Bo. That is true. That is gall don't be. Yeah, this is a hook. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> You're gonna swallow it. You know what it is? It's an F one race in Vegas. You want to see Every Bond villain at once in the same place. F1 in Vegas. The only thing that holds me up from that is, oh, my God, what are they going to do to the minimums at the tables after like three o'clock in the afternoon? We ain't even talking about getting there super late. Just three o'clock in the afternoon. If you ain't got $75, you ain't playing no blackjack. <laughs> hundred. <laughs> oh, my gosh. hundred. They're going to they're gonna shoot the moon, especially because one of the things I've heard is that once you get somewhere for the duration of the race, which is two hours. It's not that long. Remember, this is a European sport. We like to go ahead and be tidy with it, right? Wouldn't you like to get to lunch? Don't you have other things to do? Um, for those two hours, you're pretty much going to be locked in place. Like It's going to be very difficult to move from one spot to the other if you're anywhere within the vicinity of the racetrack. So if you're cozy at a table, guess what? <laughs> Just plant your ass there. Stay there. It, is it the racetrack, the strip? Half of the strip, yeah. They're going to take half of Las Vegas Boulevard and race pave it and block it off and isolate it and that is a wild proposition considering anybody who's been to vegas take a look at that take a look at the amount of traffic half of it is not even going to be accessible and the other half is going to be filled with cars going 212 miles an hour on straights now by the way we're going to talk about some interesting gambling topics a little later not picks but actual gambling topics but while we're on vegas i don't know if you saw this uh r.i.p to the tropicana have you heard Oh no! They gonna, oh, apparently no. they're gonna knock it down to build a, the stadium uh, for the athletics when they move to town. Oh man, that's like R.I.P. Two dollar tables. So, <laughs> my, my heart is filled with a dingy, smoky kind of sorrow. <laughs> like I feel like putting a baseball stadium in Las Vegas is just like most people go to baseball games to drink. I feel like if you're going to a baseball game in Vegas, it's so you can dry out a little bit before you go drink later. Because I just, everything in Vegas goes fast, 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 fast. Enter baseball. Well, guess what? You're going you're, you're gonna to dry out. There's going to be a lot of human jerky out there. Yeah. A lot of finely oh, 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 there's a roof. beef. There's a roof. There's a roof. Okay. <laughs> Still. <laughs> now, okay, so if you put a roof on a baseball stadium in Vegas, basically you're just creating a jerky dryer, a yes. jerky machine, right? Yes. That's all this is. It's a dehydrator. That's all you've created. I All I know is the concessions people there, you could charge $25 for a bottle of water and walk away a billionaire. <laughs> I just want to know, like, take any given hotel. Mm -hmm. What 
is the electric bill. <laughs> like, how much do they spend on electricity a month? Like, keeping in mind all the air conditioning that is required. Hoover Dam is sweating. And it's been sweating. <laughs> it's been sweating for, for what? Almost 100 years now? We're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the Hoover Dam in like a decade? Yeah. Uh, the electric bill has to be an, like profane. If you saw them, we would be communist tomorrow. Yes. We would be like, no, this is an unjust, immoral society. That air conditioning bill cannot be considered a just exercise of resources. Like, that's how you know the blockchain is completely out of control and how much it uses electricity because uh -huh. it clearly must tr trump whatever Vegas does. Right. If and that right there <laughs> tells you everything you need to know. I will say this, though. I'm putting that thing down to 62 the minute I walk in the hotel room there. <laughs> Don't blame. Don't blame. By the way, uh, shout out to, who was I just about to say that I was giving a shout out to? Oh, yes, Herbert Hoover. Shout out to you. Um, I'm not sure anybody did a better job of trying to redeem an otherwise terrible reputation by putting his name on the right thing. Quite like Hoover getting his name on that damn. Herbert Hoover, by the way, like genuinely fascinating dude, like a failure in a lot of things, but actually like a very together guy in a lot of senses of the word. Maybe the president who had actually the most technical skills as an engineer, like Herbert Hoover, unlike a lot of our president, because a lot of our presidents, they're jokers. They couldn't hold a job doing anything else. Like if you look at their other endeavors or anything, you go, oh, man, your entire resume is just a series of failures, except for the part where you convince people to like you to vote you for president. Herbert Hoover was actually an engineer. Uh, you know, ran mines, did this competently, saved a bunch of people's butts in the uh, Boxer Rebellion in China. Unfortunately, you stumbled into one of my jukeboxes, Bo, so I'm going to cut it short. <laughs> but just to tell you, Herbert Hoover is the one that people would actually like respond to on LinkedIn as a president. <laughs> Yo, the thing I think about with Hoover, Herbert Hoover is, it's like George W. Bush got the job. Next thing you know, is 9-11. Oh, wow. Job a whole lot different, but you can rally. We can all get behind the same cause, all that. Who, Herbert Hoover got the job. And it's like planes hit the stock market, not 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 the building, not not mm -hmm. not the place, the actual market. Ain't nobody rally behind him on that. Nope. It was just like, where my money at, dog? Well, here's where this is a problem when you sometimes apply a geek to the situation. The geek looks at it and goes, here's the theory and the numbers. If you guys just wait, this will all work out. And the one thing that he didn't have, he had math. And you know what math does? It makes nobody feel better. It helps nobody. We've talked about how like. People don't care if you're smart on a podcast or anything, right? They just want, you know, they, they want to, like, have a good time, maybe be a little informed. Uh, Herbert Hoover did not understand that. He would be like, I'm going to read this spreadsheet to you for the next hour and a half. And the American people are like, the other guy, go get the other guy. <laughs> Yo, and then everything was so bad that, you know, little shanty towns, people started calling them Hoovervilles. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> is that the only white man they ever named a project after? Like, I know that those weren't <laughs> official projects, but normally when you get to these projects... You know, it's, uh, you know, George Washington Carver Holmes, right? Like, like you get those. Though I guess there are projects named after white people. They just had white people living in them at first. Yeah, I think the thing that offended Hoover most about that entire moniker is that they were poorly and irregularly made, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of a problem with the whole Hoover thing. Not to say, boy, isn't this an indictment of your entire system of management and belief and him going, no, that roof angle's wrong. That's, that's Herbert Hoover, man. Yo, let me ask you a question. Uh, are you surprised that Bobby Huggins still has a job as of this moment? <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> Does he? I mean, like, by the time you hear this, it is possible that he will not have a job. Right now, mm -hmm. he does have a job after dropping uh, the F word with the two Gs twice 
in radio. Do those radio guys still have jobs? I feel like that's the next question. Um, so the system of doing things in West Virginia, politically speaking, sometimes overextends itself into the collegiate realm. That's my fancy way of saying sometimes the governor likes to hire or fire a coach. That has happened before. It'll probably happen again. It's a real small fishbowl in terms of who matters. So in terms of like, if he still has a job, if somebody powerful in West Virginia says, nah, man, you got to go, then he's got to go. But if somebody powerful in West Virginia says, well, let's let bygones be bygones and let the man demonstrate a sense of forgiveness and an ability to write the ship, then yeah, he's, he's going to keep it. I wanted to just go ahead and ask this. Has there ever been a basketball coach who is both uh, more appellant and more forgivable at the same time? Because what he said was vile. But I also have to say this prior to this, I would have been, you know, I'm like, oh man, I love Bob Huggins. And I still like Bob Huggins a lot. I'm just like, why would you say that repellent thing? It's so, it's just not, it's, it's, I'm surprised, but not surprised. I'm trying to express a complex emotion and I want you to help me through it. No, he is contradictory in uh-huh. so many ways, right? Like the college honor, by the way, son of a coach doesn't give those vibes, but Mm-mm. son of a coach. Um, the honor student, some people even say Phi Beta Kappa, but I haven't been able to like get that written down. But the honor student who once had a zero graduation rate at Cincinnati. Um, the guy who screams mercilessly and berates his players, but also lets them do the same thing back. And all those players he berates absolutely love him. Like every single one of them absolutely loves him which is in line with what we're talking about he is a dude that does repellent things and people still want to come back around and be like oh okay we we still kind of rock with you in the course of this that right there though he ta- he, he called like dropped the f word a couple times and it was specific to religion like that was the <laughs> thing where he put it in the context of catholic stuff and i'm like wow he still has a job he actually did a two in one uh-huh uh he did he 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 did the uh, he did one of the most powerful moves in in bigotry, which is to layer it. He gave you a, <laughs> a he gave you a pastry. He gave you a layer cake of bigotry, and you probably should lose your job after that. And everybody, though, by the way, if you said, "Will Bob Huggins get another job?" I'd say, "Yeah, he'd probably get another job, lower tier, but he'd still get one because this man has blown up his career." Once by his own accord, and then um, had his career nearly blown up again by his body rebelling against a lifetime of hard living. And this is a guy whose pacemaker went on the fritz on a on the court, and he finished the game. Yeah, yeah. So if you say, "Is he done? Uh, should he lose his job?" The answer is, I have no idea if Bob Huggins is ever done. He's one of those guys that you're gonna have to show me the you're gonna have to show me the headstone before I believe he's finally been killed. Sneaky old though, pushing seventy. Yeah, still, it's still, man. I, I know, I know. You're like pushing seventy, and I'm like, I don't know, I, I don't know what could kill him. He's just, he's, he's seemingly indestructible. Actually, I do know what could kill him. Bob Huggins. That's yeah. it. Bob Huggins. Apparent, like he has been his own worst enemy in a lot of respects. Because, like you said, his players love him. He's been successful everywhere he's gone. Um, and at the same time, this kind of crap happens. Yeah, I think his difficulty on this, though, is this is going to create a liability issue in that Mm -hmm. if you don't fire somebody for this, you can't fire anybody at that school for saying anything 
halfway close to this. And this is twice as far as anything that you could typically get away with, right? Once this happens, he becomes the president. I know of a company where this has happened with somebody saying something on the air and mm -hmm. um, didn't do something to one person. Next person gets caught in a similar place multiple times. And all you got to do is keep pointing back to the first person. Now what you going to do? Particularly when you involve state institution. If this were... If this were private, private schools can essentially make up their own rules about what they care about and what they don't. There is a thin tether of what a school, a thin tether to like a standard beyond just the program or the school when you're talking about a state institution that has to do with actual like laws and things on the books. So, yeah, yeah, Huggy got go. By the way, Sports Talk Radio, Wild Wild West, where none of those guys stopped and said to themselves, we should probably try to save our guests right now. Or we should probably try to save ourselves. Save yourself. He's gone. You mean, the, the, from what I heard, <laughs> the way he hit it, no. He, he's fully committed to that. Uh, the hosts themselves, though? Good God. That's, that's not... Just be the uncool one. If you're in that situation, be the uncool one. And say, listen, you can't do that. Boy, whoa, whoa, whoa there, buddy. You're trying to get this whole place shut down. Yeah, no, 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 no. I like my little lunchtime AM, AM radio gig. And uh, if you told me, though, like if, if this were a caller, if this were some, if this were a caller and not Huggins, is this indicative of what you might hear on AM talk radio? Yeah, I really think it is. So much of it, this is the thing about talk radio. You can say whatever you want for the most part because nobody's recording it. Yes. The, you know, like... I, I was baffled by this for a long time. There's like no recordings of Mike and Mad Dog. None. You can't go back through the archives because it just went out of their mouths and into the ether and no one ever recorded it, right? Oh, yeah. The internet really made that job a bit more of a high wire act than it uh -huh. was before because the <laughs> net that you had was nobody's really listening. Mm -hmm. Like that was that was the that that was the net that you had there was nobody was really listening. I see, but I've still heard stuff on like I've still heard stuff occasionally on talk radio here in Atlanta where I go, it feels like 1995. <laughs> it does, like, and I mean, it feels like 1995 in not a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I did. You didn't feel like the drums had a character that is lacking these days. No, 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 not <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't like pining for the days of Crystal Pepsi ads. No. <laughs> Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. So uh, speaking of the era that we are in right now, my first time when I was like, yo, let's get Spencer wrong. 
lot of interesting gambling to-dos around sports. It's hitting college in particular, but we've seen this, I think it was a couple years ago, Josh Shaw, um, former USC quarterback, and for what it's worth, quite possibly the dumbest man in the world. He got caught because he put in an application for a player's card at a casino in Las Vegas, and when they asked him what his occupation was, he said, NFL player. Um, the house then immediately called the NFL like guys I think you should know about this and then that dude had to do a measure of suspension we saw all those guys from what was the Detroit Lions Jameson Williams a few other people mm-hmm. they got suspended because they got caught putting in some bets but we had two stories come out of the college world um, that are both interesting in their own ways one 26 athletes between Iowa and Iowa State got caught for placing bets on things, though at last check, we didn't know if they were placing bets on those actual games. But the head baseball coach at the University of Alabama, the head baseball coach, made one of his pitchers, scratched him. Nobody thought he was, everybody thought he was going to pitch, scratched him, called somebody, and then after that call, that person put a bet on a college baseball game that was big enough to make people ask what the hell is going on. And now that baseball coach is fired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brad, Brad Bohannon. Brad Bohannon yeah. uh, decided to, you know, in life they say you should bet on yourself. And uh, I guess I guess he was just got the first part and not the last part because he bet, but against himself, against his team. That's, to me, doing that from a pay phone. Uh, I'm sorry. He called someone on a phone in Cincinnati. Right. Yes. And my uh, shutdown forecast co-host, Ryan Nanny, pointed this out to me. He did that in Cincinnati, the home of Pete Rose and the, <laughs> from, in the stadium that is on Pete Rose way. And I just thought, you know, when you've messed around and you've probably angered Pete Rose because you didn't bet on yourself in a game, <laughs> you know, you've done something wrong. So like he wasn't even he wasn't even baseball gambling correctly, much less in the spirit of the thing. Uh, this is can you just talk about like what a, a little detour here like alabama's had a year yes that athletic program has had a year six months ago fine awesome rising program top tier football program everything else on the up and up the last six months have been a train wreck in tuscaloosa i mean as i recall starting with not winning the sec there's, uh-huh. there's, there's, if we're going to get into the disastrous things, not winning the SEC in football, right there. Uh, the Brandon Miller situation, mm-hmm. got that. Uh, they don't have a quarterback coming out of spring practice. They had to, they had to go to the store see if they could get one on sale in the no, they're, middle they're returning, of spring football. They're returning to tradition. Yes. There was a time. There was a time, by the way, coming out of spring practice in Alabama when you were like, "Who's the quarterback?" Would have been the last question you've asked. <laughs> you've been like that guy who hands off over there. That's fine. Alabama between Kenny Stabler and um wow I guess it's between Kenny Stabler and Jalen Hurts basically they were just uh-huh. like quarterback what's that the the blip was Richard Todd yeah put some respect on Freddie Kitchen's name please Freddie oh, Kitchen right. that's right Freddie Kitchen right. was slanging <laughs> we had him uh Andrew Zhao Mm-hmm. Got, a little, got a little Tyler Watts throwing in there. Jay Baker hung around long enough for them to be nice <clears> enough to let him fit his second foot of Heisman. The Andrews out Tyler Watts duo, one of the most counterintuitive yes. pairs of quarterbacks one has ever seen functioning at the same time on an SEC team. Yeah, 
Like this is just a hall of a hall of uh, beloved but largely obscure quarterbacks leading up to the like Tua Jalen era when they start to actually get guys. Oh, heaven forbid! I should mention XFL legend AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron also yes. putting up numbers. I like it when he got Heisman talk for throwing a screen pass. Admittedly, it was a really nice screen pass to TJ Yeldon, but yes. they're like, yeah, what a leader. <laughs> Look, the best quarterback between Kenny Stabler and Jalen Hurts may have been those three or four games that David Palmer had to play quarterback that year. <laughs> do you remember? Do, do, do you remember Cooper Bateman? I do remember Cooper Bateman. Yeah, the guy who started the Ole Miss game but did not finish it. In case you wonder whether even legends have moments of regret, Nick Saban made that call to start him, watched him get lit up by an Akindichi brother. And then immediately pulled him after that. I'm convinced he pulled him because he got lit up. He's like, nah, I can't have a quarterback get lit up that bad. Cooper Bateman totally sounds like he should play quarterback for Georgia. I looked at it again this year. Both guys with last names for first names and last names for last names. Yeah, no, he, he see, I think that was his problem. You don't, they don't do that at Alabama, right? You get the, <laughs> to be a quarterback at Alabama in the old days, you just basically needed a nice pair of white boy bangs across the top of the head, right? You just needed the right set of Bama bangs. Um, he was in the wrong place. He has a name that works like an accounting firm. It works forwards and backwards. He should definitely be at the University of Georgia. I am so intrigued by the potential scandals that we have because according to the NCAA, you can't gamble on a sport that the NCAA awards a championship in at any level, at any level. So you can't gamble on equestrian. You can't gamble on uh, you know, hockey. Right. At any level. So you can't you can't go and say, OK, well, I'll bet on the NHL. No, you can't do that. Right. But there's all of these little sports in between. Right. Where people can do basically micro wagers. And that's where you can actually find some wiggle room at the college level or all these little sports. And people are going to find those loopholes. Like over at pickleball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like somebody will gamble on the pickleball thing. I had a friend of mine who actually uh, this is Roger Sherman. Who currently writes for the ringer who said when we were talking about this he goes it occurs to me that this this new environment i might now be empowered to be the only person in the world gambling on an event like i will be the only <laughs> like they'll take one bet and, and i'll look and go oh my god i affected the line i was the one guy who did that and i think you'll see that a lot like that was that was how they caught bohannon it was a it was a large enough bet on college baseball which if you're gambling on college baseball man you are that's, that is that is down badsville population you <laughs> like when you get to the when you get to the if you were to do that in person and you get to the cage to put that bet up that's what somebody's like hey hold on one second hey do we do we, I, we, we do that we got that oh okay are, sorry didn't know when you place the bet and the guy in the cage looks at you and goes are you okay this <laughs> gives you a shrug <laughs> like that's that's like betting on the little league world series it can be done should it be done right they look at you like you just split fives <laughs> like this is this is this is like saying well i'm out of beer you know what maraschino cherries come in alcohol don't they i can just drain that that's fine well, well no that was like when i saw the thing about the coach i was just like okay you're too old to be this dumb and it also made me look at it and wonder, like, they didn't have the big all-hands, like, guys, here's what's going on here. You can't, no, I'm, I'm telling you right now, 
you can't, no, 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 no. Like, that is what I figured they had to do to make this happen. But the NCAA, which, by the way, for a while has been short-staffed in places like, you know, enforcement. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they got the bodies to send the dude on the tour to go to however many schools and just be like, guys, like, tr- no, it's really a big deal. No, 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 no. Yeah, trust me. Trust me. You just can't do this. Yeah, and this is now, by the way, not just like a cat out of the bag situation, but this is more like a stampede. The gate is open. The cows are not coming back. And everybody, if they have a cell phone, can within two to three minutes, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to mention a specific brand on the air, but like this app is ready when you are, when you're feeling speculative. Anyone in the world can go ahead and do that. And if for athletes, it's just there. We have so many at so many different levels that somebody's going to find the margins. That's it. Like if you want to yeah. talk about what, what gamblers look for, you're, you're looking for margins and you're looking for the ability to affect those margins. And if you can find them at any level, you're going to be able to win. And the only thing that keeps people from not getting caught is being stupid like Bohannon was and calling somebody from the dugout and having them place a bet for you at another baseball stadium. <laughs> yes, yes. Which, by the way, that's what Pete Rose, the real thing that supremely offended people about Pete Rose is that he was making the calls from the clubhouse. Like, you know, because they're there all day long. That was the thing. They got him making calls to the bookie from the clubhouse phone. The burner phone, man. Burner <laughs> phone would have changed everything. We would yeah, be talking yeah, about, oh, man, respectable manager Pete Rose. <laughs> now, this is my thing about college, though. And, like, I don't think that this is a giant concern for pro sports. I don't think it is a wholly irrelevant concern for pro sports, but I don't think it's giant. I think it's a huge concern for college sports for a couple of reasons. One, stupid young people, right? Like, that is Mm -hmm. just the age of poor risk calculus, everything else. They're just not, you're just not very bright at that age. But two, and this is the big one, is financially vulnerable people. And I'm not just talking about the players, right? I am, number one, I'm talking about officials. Those are the biggest ones that you need to be concerned with. But also, number two, man, it's a lot of people around these programs that don't make no money, right? Like, especially Mm -hmm. when you start talking about these programs in high cost of living places. Like, one of the struggles that the Pac-12 has, for example, is in order to be able to live in the places where the California Pac-12 schools are, you got to make more money than anybody wants to pay for an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And so you start talking about like the non-revenue sports and everything else. That's where I worry. Because I, in watching college sports for a while, I know what it looks like when a game could be fixed. Did I offer enough qualifiers there? I know yeah, yeah. yeah, there are things that I could see in a game that then make me go, hey, let me go look at the odds. I'll give you an example. I don't want to use specific games. Mm -hmm. But if you are watching a game and it's at that point where they're trying to foul late to get the ball back, Mm -hmm. if they're calling the fouls real early or real late, go look at the line there's a good chance that you will see that that game is in the neighborhood of the spread or the number or in one direction 
you'll get a hold of that. Like, that's a big one that you can check when you see that sort of thing happen. Uh, Tim Donaghy, where he talked about it, when he starts seeing the refs call fouls early and they were like, oh, he's setting the tone. No, he ain't setting the tone. He's setting the line. But I remember this. I was doing Jim Rome's burning once. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what game it was. But the game ended. It was the Big East tournament. And so when you do Jim Rome's burning during the conference tournaments, they would run late into the show and all this. So you just be kind of sitting there on standby. So you're sitting on the set waiting for the game to end. Something happened. And late in the game, dude gets the ball. Like, it's kind of run out the clock time, go foul the guy time or whatever. But this dude gets the ball and literally starts jumping up and down with five seconds left. Not like jumping up and down, pumping his fist, but like jumping up and down like he's in the pocket, like ready to throw a pass, except it's basketball. Mm-hmm. Nobody calls a travel. Nobody does, right? Like it's an <laughs> obvious, this is not legal. Clock runs out. The other team is obviously furious and the refs run through the tunnel. <laughs> run through the tunnel. And I break out my phone and I go look at that number and it's right around there. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. nobody's going to check into this. I can't say definitively what did or did not happen, but nobody's going to look into this. These sorts of little things in the college game, I bet with an attuned eye or ear, you could go see a bunch of that stuff happening because the refs are terrible. Thereby, you don't necessarily assume a measure of corruption, and nobody's making any money. I worry about college basketball a lot. I mean, not like yeah. it's got, not like there's ever been a history of point shaving in college basketball <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> That's you know, it's bad when you go. Well, is it possible? Oh, oh, it's very possible that we have we have scientific proof that it's possible. A historical record. We got a fossil record of how. Yes. Points can be shaved in college basketball. I did laugh thinking about attempted point shaving in football because basketball is a sport where you can do a lot of things intentionally. Football is mostly an accident. So the idea of trying to do something intentionally in football and affect an outcome is hilarious because if you watch them try to do things on purpose, I say this with all love and affection, even towards professionals. It's such a violent sport that the idea of point shaving in football as something you could even do in the first place with any intent is bizarre to me, which is like, I know the NFL has to be super concerned about that, but when they come down super hard on players and I know they have to do that, but I also laugh because I'm like, try it. I want to see a football team that's trying to point shave. Because even if you try to fumble, do you know who's probably not going to pick up the weirdly shaped ball that you just laid on the turf? The other team is probably going to bounce out of their hands too because it's a stupid shape, right? <laughs> Everything about football is made to be as hard as possible, including cheating in live, in real time. Like, it's so hard. We, In order to cheat in football, you have to do some of the stupidest things alive. You have to be like, well, we deflated the ball a couple of you know centiliters. We took that out of the ball. That's stupid. Do you know what that is compared to other sports? Child's play, right? <laughs> Professional cycling. Now you want a sport where we could go ahead and gas you up with some amazing hacks. Sure. Like you say, well, what? Did they put a motor in the bike? Yes. Yes. People in professional cycling races have put motors in bikes before. Okay. Well, what do they take? Like rat poison to compete? Yeah, they did. They've taken everything to compete. They've <laughs> They've put their own blood back in their body. That that's you can't beat that. So like, I do worry. I do worry, of course, about college athletics when it comes to like the influence professional gambling might have, particularly in sports where it's going to be highly visible. If there's only like three people gambling on something and there's a fifty thousand dollar bet that comes in, which there will, because guess what? Uh, it, society, 
if there is a bell curve and there's a sort of general distribution of things, there's a lot of stupid people, a lot, yeah. a lot of mediocre gamblers, and a lot of stupid people right there in the middle. They're going to make stupid, obvious mistakes. People greedy. People greedy. Because the thing is, what's the point of getting in on some point shaving if you're not going to, like, cash in? Like, I got some information for you. Who? Great chance to make 20 bucks. Yeah. Like, like who's out here point shaving for the love? Who's like, man, <laughs> all I want to do is play the game. I don't even care about the trophies. Just want to help point shave. And even the things that aren't the shaving, right? Like just the I've got information, thereby I'm going to put this on the road. Nobody's hedging on that, right? Like Like they're going all the way in. Now what I wonder about with the players or just generally, I think that all of these institutions are just going to really have to beat some people over the head just to get them to understand this is what's going to happen. But I remember I read this book I guess it's about 15 years ago. It was about the founding of Facebook, and it seemed to be very much so Mark Zuckerberg authorized. But Zuckerberg's point was that the transparency afforded by Facebook will make the world a better place, right? Like everything mm-hmm. will be out front. It will it will require a certain measure of honesty. Now, there's a real big brotherish element that comes with that that I think we've seen on numerous levels. But mm-hmm. I feel like these kids now. This is the surveillance generation. Like, that's the whole point of Elf on the Shelf. Somebody watching you all the time, right? Your parents mm-hmm. got cameras all over the house just in case some burglars come, as if the camera's going to stop them from stealing your Anyway, these kids got phones in their pockets with their locations and their parents looking at where they're going all the time. Like, I don't know how you get away with anything. I forget who I saw uh, mention this on Twitter, but like you think about all the 80s movies like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off or whatever, all these movies about these capers that you pull off because your parents are at work and don't know what's going on. That ain't possible no more. Everybody is just monitored to such a staggering degree. And I bring all that up to say slash ask the question, why do these dumb kids think they can get away with literally anything? Right? Like the world is set to catch you. And I feel like all they can hope for is that they beat beat somebody over the head and they see somebody's always watching you. You're not going to get away with this. That's why the most dangerous person in the world right now is the person who's like complete lack of organizational skills or ability to take care of anything means that they have to rely on cash, verbal conversations. And doing things in real life. That's the most dangerous human being alive right now. Somebody's going to pull off a college gambling scandal. They're going to have to do it. You know, they're going to have to do it old school. And then that would work. It would totally work. (laughs) Yeah. Just just go back. Return. This this is it. We're going to return. We're going to return to the classics. What are you going to do? Pay in cash. How are you going to do it? In person. Where are we going to do it? The Waffle House, probably. Probably do it where most college athletics dirt happens at a Waffle House. I was watching um, Goodfellas the other Mm -hmm. day, right? Um, And by the way, you want to talk about a movie that doesn't stop being excellent. (laughs) No matter how many viewings that you get, it's just low-key incredible. Mm -hmm. Although I feel like low-key is definitely not the way to put it. It is just all the way <laughs> yeah, no, the, entire, the entire movie's stuck on high key like I mean, when you think about this with goodfellas yeah we're gonna make the lead ray Liotta, and uh robert de niro is just gonna be the other guy that's in this yeah trust me it'll work no it'll, it'll be fine additionally it answers my favorite question which is why would you do this all in the first place because <laughs> i'm gonna anger someone 
so be prepared for it. Um, the Godfather, it's a fine film. It's a really, really good movie. Uh, Goodfellas to me is better because one, I, I see a lot of dumb guys who look at the Godfather and they go, you know, it's just, a, it's about family. It's about, you know, no, it's not the Fast and the Furious. If you want a series that's about family, go watch Fast and the Furious. The Godfather is about violence. And and it's about violence and it's about America like screwing generation after generation of immigrants into bad positions. Yes. Um, Goodfellas actually explains why you'd want to be a mafioso. It explains why you'd want to do it. And it explains why you want to do it in the first three minutes. It's like, do you want to never go to school again? <laughs> when, they, when they try to get you in trouble for going to school, do you want to see that person's head shoved into a pizza oven? Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want. It's the only one that gets it. Additionally, it's one of my favorite movies made by an addict ever. Because do you want to know what Martin Scorsese comes across as being addicted to in that movie? Everything. Yes. Everything. That movie's like smelling the curtains, rolling on the carpet, rummaging through your fridge, eating everything it can, placing multiple bets on multiple phones. It's like a movie made by a compulsive person. I think love about, it. Think about this. There's so much action in Goodfellas that there was no time to throw in the whole point-shaving scandal. No, no, he didn't. It was just a little bit too close to the Lufthansa heist. We just had a little bit too much going on in 79 and 80 to get around to the point shaving scandal in the movie. Like, there Man, is one scene I recall where there's college basketball on that I felt like was an allusion mm -hmm. to Henry Hill and the Boston College thing. But yes, couldn't even get that there. Man was too busy. He had a lot, he had a lot going on, man. <laughs> but uh, I remember what it was that made me think about uh, that. So, you know, the scene where, I mean, it's really tragic when you think about it, where uh, Joe Pesci thought he was about to be a made man and mm -hmm. instead he just walked in the room and got smoked and that opens the yeah. door. Oh, no. Oh. Like the moment that he realizes, <laughs> oh, no. Um, that made me think about this Tiger Woods story where the woman thought that she was going to the Bahamas and she got there and instead oh, no. <laughs> the lawyer was like, yo, you're, you're done in this town, boo. So this now makes me want the memoir of Tiger Woods' lawyer. I'm going to wait 20, 30 years for it. It's going to happen because I want to know all the things you have to take care of in that man's life. Where he looks at you and says, "Can you just, can you just do it for me?" Yo, just, just... I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was on the list of services for a lawyer, like an agent, maybe, but a lawyer. I was like, "Whoa, baby, I need to get one of those." Yeah, yeah. And now, now, of course, like I, I don't. She's suing him for. She's suing him for claiming sexual harassment. Um, which is, you know, that's 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 serious. I want to make sure that people know what I'm laughing at is Tiger Woods' inability to relate or emote. That's yes. it. I like the the ability to have all that money and all that fame and success, and he can't figure out how to do how to do that. Like that's that's wild to me. He, he just he's still so confused. That's just the most like he again. This is where we go. You know, interesting port like fascinating portraits of horrifying people sometimes. Like Huggins, I, there's so many things that I like about him, and there's so many things where I go, what, what what on earth are you even thinking? How? How could you be in this spot and also do that? Tiger Woods is the exact same thing. Like, in so many ways, he can be a very sympathetic figure. And then at the same time, he gets his lawyer to do that. <laughs> I just, yeah, the duality of man doesn't even start to cover it. Uh, I know this is a detour, but it's back to where we're going. Um, as we were talking about point shaving earlier, you know, Tulane had one. Uh, John High Rod Williams got mm -hmm. caught in. Yeah. And so I had forgotten this. He got off um, on the charges when he went to trial. Mm -hmm. Play the music.
Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is 15 seconds. But uh, they had to shut down the whole Tulane program for four years mm -hmm. after that. Four years. By the way, did that stop anybody from pricking Hot Rod up? Nope. <laughs> no, it did not. He went in the second round, but still, that didn't stop a soul. Oh, my God. That's. By the way, I like, I like that that is that four years, not three. Like, you know, three wouldn't have done it. Four years. That's the appropriate contamination level. And then no <laughs> one will ever try to gamble on college sports again, ever. No. No, I also want to ask this question as I look at Hot Rod's uh, Wikipedia page. In 1986, Hot Rod uh, Williams played for a team called the Staten Island Stallions in the USBL. And oh my God, I'm trying to imagine the crowd. The USBL? Yes. Oh my God. No, 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 no. I don't want that crowd. I just, I just can't imagine the heckling that takes place at a minor league basketball game in Staten Island. <laughs> But <laughs> that's part of New York, Bo. How are you? Are you, it, are you inferring something about it, Staten Island? Is it? I'm is just it? saying. I gotta catch. You gotta catch a boat to go there. Like that just tell you, ain't nothing more greedy in this world than New York looking at New Jersey, being like, we want Staten Island. Why? Pete, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson makes the point. You know, if it's so great, why is the ferry free? <laughs> and look, to be fair, never been over there. Just hasn't come up. Nobody's not, giving me a good enough reason. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not saying Staten Island hasn't contributed significantly to the culture because they have in many different ways. Um, All those ways are the woo. Pretty much, pretty much. But that's, you know what? That's significant. That's it is. very, very significant. Um, I, I did have, now you told me a story. You don't actually have to put me on the music for this one. Because something in it clicked this past weekend. Um, I was at the Miami Grand Prix, as I said, hanging out with uh, Bond villains. And celebrities show up for these things. And sometimes they give those celebrities hot laps where they put you in a car and they take you around. Um, I've done one. It's very, very fun. If you ever want to go 165 miles an hour in a car sideways, that's exactly how you want to do it and live. Vin Diesel was there. But Monty, do you want to know how high Vin Diesel is on his own supply? Please tell me. Okay. So Vin Diesel did not do a hot lap. Vin Diesel did not do a hot lap because it would have involved sitting in the passenger seat. And the father of the Fast and Furious franchise does not appear in a passenger seat ever. <laughs> ever. Are you serious? Won't. He won't. Because I think he thinks he's Dominic Toretto. <laughs> now, he might be like, oh, it's for the brand. Dude, this is the same guy who at the Guardians of the Galaxy premiere showed up on stilts so he could be Groot's height because he thinks he's Groot. I think Vin Diesel thinks he is every character that he's ever played or that they are him in one avatar or another. So he does not appear in the passenger seat of a car. He won't do it because it's about family and Dominic's the papa. He sits in the past. He sits in the driver's seat only and no one at F1 will let him on the track. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm just wowing all the way, baby. Like that's just that's just I'm <laughs> I'm I'm all the wows. <laughs> somebody's somebody's sitting there going, 
we'll put you in a McLaren and you can go 185 miles an hour down the back straight with this like top flight test driver. And he's like, Ben doesn't sit in the passenger seat, man. (laughs) I just can't imagine like life for those people. (laughs) This is the guy who, this is the guy who's like, yeah, I'm the same height as the rock. (laughs) We're we're the same height (laughs) on screen. People will believe that. Yo, that's the reason why The Rock looks so much happier than all these other guys. It's because he actually is as big as you would expect. Uh, he's, he's, listen, man, he's 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 big as like Jesus on vacation. He's huge. He's just a gigantic. He's a gigantic man. Like on the list of like enormous people who actually are as big and happy as you think they would be. Shaq, Shaq yes. is Shaq is Shaq is Shaq size. If you go like, oh man, how big can Shaq be? Shaq is Shaq is big as all outdoors. He's enormous, right? Yao Ming, Yao Ming is. Yao Ming's bigger than God. I don't think I've ever seen anything bigger than Yao Ming. Maybe there's a straw man named Brian Shaw who is 6'9", 430 pounds. And the height isn't overwhelming, but everything else is. He's yes. he's like he's built like a, a titan. But the other one is The Rock. Because the, the Rock is actual size. And yeah, he doesn't need a box to stand on in, uh, in scenes in order to appear the same height as other people. Dude, the first time I met Eric Montross in person, mm-hmm. Eric Montross looked like a poster for the monsters like the whole <laughs> ass poster like if uh herman muster just took up the whole ass poster then i mean the poster that they show at the at the theater not the mm-hmm. poster that you put on your wall that was shaking hands with eric montrose i could have dried my hands off in his yeah and and your hands you've got you've got sizable yeah mitts. i'm here for you guys like i'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. Uh, no 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 i was just like I, I just can't like basketball players. They're the guys that are way bigger than anybody truly properly understands and appreciates. Like I caught a plane. I forget when this was, but Kyle Anderson was on my flight. Yeah. And we think of Kyle Anderson as being a skinnier guy in the NBA, but me as actual real life skinny person, dude, mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson is not small at all guys. Not, not, not even a little bit. No stronger and, and stronger too. Like I know that everybody enjoys clowning Kevin Durant's bench press numbers. Uh, don't do that because pound for pound NBA players are insanely strong. Alonzo Mourning used to do box jumps. Uh, box jumps are you know where you put a box, and I think this box in, in this case was like you know twenty four. No, it was it was thirty six inches. So it was you know like a thirty six inch box. Um, and I, I believe the number was he had two seventy pound dumbbells in his hands, and at I mean, Zoe, when he was big Zoe, when he was like super rocked up, probably about two, 250, right? And he was taking a 70-pound barbell in each hand, 140 pounds, and he was doing box jumps onto that. Clean. Yeah. Yeah, it's not right. It's not right. They're different. You should know that. Don't ever forget it. When I saw Shaq at the Austin Grand Prix last year, his head was too tall for the privacy fence. The privacy fence that they put in between VIP I didn't see anyone coming except I saw a head just floating. And I was like, there's only one object that's Shaq size <laughs> and that tall, and it's Shaquille O'Neal. Yo, Kevin Durant at this point, by the way, is like in the 240 range. Like he's not even small, like people think. Like everybody time somebody talks about how skinny Kevin Durant is, I just want to go like this and be like, okay, don't look at me. No. Did you see like Draymond when he hit his head when he hit his head the other night? Like, if you want to know how big and strong LeBron James is, Draymond Green kind of just glanced up against him and without flopping to me, to my eyes, noticeably, went flying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's another guy. See, LeBron's weird where Cam Newton seems bigger than he is. LeBron seems not as big as he is. 
and even in person, like he's really big, but you don't realize, no, nah, that's like 270 big. Mm-hmm. No, big bro. Listen, I, I think everybody knows what I mean if I say that one of the finest basketball like images ever was Big Braun in yes. Miami. When like uh, this is before I think he got his diet super dialed in right. Not that it was ever great. Tristan Thompson's like, yeah, he eats like five slices of French toast covered with whipped cream and then he dunks on you. It doesn't make sense. But Big Braun in Miami when he's like gigantic. Oh, yeah. With the headband. <laughs> oh, no. Like I, I didn't realize how big he had gotten in Miami till he left and they started showing all the clips and the montages of when he was in Cleveland at first when we thought he was really big. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, wow, that's a different person over there. Well, you know, you, you eat a lot of you eat a lot of good Cuban food in Miami. You get three carbohydrates a meal minimum at least three carbs on the plate at all times you know you're gonna put up some numbers you're gonna put up some size not that he wasn't insanely productive at that size which is insane because like 15 or 20 years ago we'd have been like oh he's got to do something about his weight you've seen it he's huge <laughs> he's not gonna last that long Braun's like lol i want to play another 15 years bye dude 20 years in the league like i mean it's time to go i still contend that it's time for him to go like he can play and he can still have lebron moments but nah man it's up man time's up Time's up. It's, yeah, it's time's up. You're merely incredible now. Yeah, You're yeah. Merely, like, it, it's mind-blowing what he's doing. It was also mind-blowing what Jordan did in 03 when you really stopped and thought about it. I think he played like 82, 81 games and played 38 minutes a night. It was mind-blowing, and he needed to stop. <laughs> this is, I, I salute LeBron for figuring out how to play the most old man, old man version of basketball ever by – putting in the minimum amount of effort during the regular season only to catch fire in the postseason. I understand that's what's called time and load management, but at his age to do it, this is the sort of person who I think if LeBron takes up golf, he's going to be the kind of person who has a three-quarter swing, right, and an insane short game and manages to look like crap off the tee and amazing up close and just goes, I don't know how I did it again, boys, but look, (laughs) it strokes up on you. Isn't that crazy? It's like you owe me some money. Last thing I would say, because I know I got to let you go, but um, Steph Curry's really got to hate right now that he's so nice because mm-hmm. he wants to call 14 dudes in blue uniforms a bunch of sorry motherfuckers so bad, but he's Steph Curry. Thereby, he cannot call them a bunch of sorry motherfuckers, but he is so tired. Like Even he wants to call Clay a sorry motherfucker. He want to call Draymond a sorry motherfucker. And he want to call every single one of them because they look like these days it's the Warriors, aka Steph and some sorry muff. I, I can't imagine it. Like I'm playing him in my head trying to do that, and it just comes across like the substitute teacher melting down. It's just not right. <laughs> Is this why Draymond's still on the roster? Just so he can occasionally have brilliant defensive games and then call people sorry mother, like call like sorry mother is probably part of the job description yes. for Draymond. But if Steph stopped in the arena and called somebody that, 20,000 people would hear it because it would take everyone aback so far that everybody in the building would stop. Like if he just came into that huddle and just started pointing at people, because Steph is in the space where he's so nice that you can just let somebody else do it, right? But if all of a sudden Steph looked at Clay and was like, you sorry, mother. Every it would just be like the needle came off the record, and it would just Mike Breen, bang. <laughs> that might that we might get a live like we might get a live Doris Burke what the f- on the air, like, <laughs> would, and nobody would nobody would blame her. They'd be like, no nah, man, don't, like I'll pay our FCC fine because we're no. all right there, and nobody would blame Steph. 
Nobody I, would. No, no, not, not a soul. But at the same time, I think sometimes like you look at him and that's why I'm sure Under Armour having the brand meetings, they go, thank you, Steph. It was nice. Nice to meet you. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you with the contract details. Yeah. And he walks out of the room and they're like, that man is never going to do anything offensive ever. Look, we can remember, sign him, we can sign him to whatever. Look, remember when he came in there and he told them this Trump stuff went, like we, we done with this Trump. Okay. Y'all off. We off this. We off this. They're like, damn Steph, you right. My bad. We didn't mean to do that. Cause if Steph Curry has to say something to you, clearly he means business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he doesn't like doing that. No. You have to like doing that. There's some people who love being daddy mother. There's some people who love walking right in the room and being like you we're fighting. They Chris like th they Chris. <laughs> Chris. Somebody told somebody told me that Chris Paul. I'm not going to disclose this person in, but they said Chris Paul's a lot more fun to watch if you imagine it's Sherman Helmsley playing basketball, <laughs> like as George Jefferson, just mad, just mad all the time. And now I can't unsee it. It's horrible. That's by the way. That's Sherman Helmsley, progressive rock fan, as we have discussed, a massive progressive rock fan yes. absolutely loved a number of extremely nerdy bands which is not what you imagine george jefferson like bopping out in his head to but you know he he was there 12 tone scales and everything listening rush, to like yes an eight and genesis yeah. rush yes and genesis tower power that's what he's about oh yeah no no no. he he loved all that stuff man he loved he, he loved anything that had like a nine minute long bass solo he was he was super big into that he put out an album sometime in the 90s and i know this because he was doing an interview on 97.9 The Box with uh, Smoking Tony Richards and TC Bandit, and he let them know that he had a single. And they were like, oh! And he insisted that they play that single, and they were like, oh! Um, and I don't remember it being any good, but also, did you know he died in El Paso, Texas? No. You know what? That's as fine a place to check out as any. They got yeah, they, yeah. They got a uh, El Paso one time Texas Monthly had a "What's Your Favorite Place in Texas" competition. Everyone else was like, "My dad's farm," or I think Erica Badu said her grandmother's apartment, which is right by the interstate in Dallas. Like a bunch of very sentimental choices. And Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, you know what he said? Mm. He goes, "I love this one place in El Paso because they got a car wash with a taco joint." <laughs> and you can get a taco and watch your car get washed. Everyone else had some sort of super emotional thing. And Billy's like, no, it's cool. Your car's clean. Got some tacos. You're good. I thought he was going to talk about the whole, that there's a whole men la grains. They got some <laughs> nice looking girls. It that, wasn't, that's where I thought Billy was going to go with that. Wasn't even like that. He's just like, no, man, we keep it cool. <laughs> clean car, full <laughs> belly. Let's roll. And now after we get off of this, I have to go listen to LaGrange just to hear him it's say so they got some nice looking girls there. Oh, 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 and I'm like, oh. I'm like, people know what he's talking about, right? <laughs> like, like, like I, I imagine then people knew what he was talking about. But now I'm like, you guys, I mean, they made a whole movie about it. Yeah, I was going to say, there's an entire song about Texas A&M in there. What a time. <laughs> Dude, being from Texas, man, there's just whole levels of it that are just really hard for me to explain. Like, nah, man, this isn't like Louisiana lawless, but it is still just <laughs> all over the place. There are institutions you will need to familiar familiarize yourself with that are not present in other places in the United States. Correct. This is one of them. Correct. And by the way, the uh, Sherman, Sherman Helms, the album that I now have to look for on the streamers, was titled Dance from 1992. Yeah, I'm definitely not putting that on.
the minute we get off here. Definitely oh. not putting on. I'm probably going to. Yeah, I was about to say, if you're not going to send it to you when I get the chance. I'm stupid. I'm going to listen to it. Yes. I mean, dude, this is. We've known each other now for like 15 years. This is what we do. No. <laughs> you're like, here, this tastes terrible. You should eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is Spencer Hall. Check him out at Channel 6. Also, uh, check him out on Debatable. Check him out on the Shutdown Fullcast. Check him out on the F1 coverage. Just check him out everywhere. The best college football writer in America. My man, I appreciate you. No, thank you, sir. It's a joy. Uh, Thank you, sir. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Dan Stancic, Adi Khan, and Parker Owens handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.